Hello, I'm Liam Shoesmith, and welcome to this second episode about wildlife and gardening. Last time we talked about how nature has declined and the gardener can make a real difference. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to put life in the garden, starting with the soil. We're going to talk about what healthy soil does for your plants and a crash course in making your own compost. Here on Gardening for Nature. Well, digging here, this is some pretty, what I would call dead soil. It's very, very pale. Uh, there's no sign of organic matter in it at all. It'd be a darker colour if there was. I've got to improve this. Now, there's a, an ecosystem within the soil. This ecosystem exists happily without us interfering generally. Uh, because we move soil from place to place, we dig it over, we, we cut into that ecosystem and we change it. Sometimes life in it depletes. In this case, the life had been zapped out by the root of some Portuguese spotted laurel that were in this area. I tend not to want to dig too much. I want to leave this ecosystem do the work for me and I live and be happy on its own. So that's the best way to go. So as a gardener, you really need to know when to dig and when not to dig. And this, I think, is a case when I need to dig. This soil is dead. There's nothing in it. No life at all. No worms. Nothing happening at all. This needs a kickstart. So this is where composting comes in and organic matter in manure, well-rotted manure, anything like that. And I'm going to add that to this soil. So I'm just going to dig it in and get life back into this soil. And once I've got that life back into the soil, all these microorganisms, uh, worms and everything else are all going to be working together, working on this soil, bringing it back to life. And they don't need my help, apart from maybe some mulch on the top. Well, not maybe, definitely. You know, every so often add some mulch on there and that will nourish them and keep them going and add good material to the ground. So once I've dug this over, put my plants in, life will be back in here in, in no time at all. When you put life into your soil, this is where the nature side comes in. It's not only good for your plants because these microorganisms are breaking down things and supplying your plants with food, it's also good for the animals around because they're going to come and want to live in this living soil and you're going to get worms which are part of the breakdown process of soil and those worms what are they food for well they're food for frogs newts birds hedgehogs all those things so you're encouraging all those things into your garden just put putting some muck in the soil and muck doesn't cost a lot does it so i'm going to keep digging this but after i've sorted it out i'm going to leave it alone when I'm huffing and puffing a lot there, I really need to work on my fitness. Actually, there's loads more digging to do over the next few weeks, so I'll soon get back into shape. Now, a healthy soil contains massive amounts of life, and we still know very little about it. A handful of soil can contain more living organisms than there are humans on the planet. Healthy soils are vital for our existence in so many ways. For growing our crops, stopping floods, and on that, one and a half Olympic swimming pools worth of water could be stored per hectare. In total, the UK soils store around 130 trillion litres of water, more than all the UK's lakes and rivers combined. Soils store more carbon than the atmosphere, world's plants and forests combined, 
which means a healthy soil is so important in our fight against climate change. The UK soil alone holds nearly 10 billion tonnes of carbon. That's the global emissions created by the human race per year. Oh, and it's great for plants. Now we know how important soil is, we need to know what kind of soil we've got in our gardens. And there's a few different types. Clay. Clay soils. Clay soils are made of small particles and they get very claggy when wet and very hard when dry. Yeah, it can actually make pottery out of clay. If broken down, it's generally quite rich because of all these small particles holding nutrients. And how do we break it down? Oh, we add organic matter. Sandy soils, they're the opposite to clay. They're very free draining and usually quite dry and usually low in nutrient. To help them retain moisture and to increase their fertility, we need to do something. And that's add organic matter. Then we get silty soils, generally quite fertile but can easily be compacted and the fine particles are easily washed away. To help with all of this, you could always add some organic matter. That'll help bind it up. Loams. Now this is what you want. Loam soils. This is the Mary Poppins of soils. It's practically perfect in every way. To help these soils keep their wonderful structure, you've guessed it, add organic matter. Soils are so important and I think I've made my point about the organic matter. There are many different types of organic matter to use. Well rotted is always the best and it's farmyard manure horse manure, leaf mould, homemade compost, and for me, I always turn to sheep. Come on. There you go. Well, as you may or may not have gathered, I'm up my father's field with his sheep. He has a small holding. Yeah, there we go. Never, never made any money out of it. It's always just been his hobby, and he just loves to keep sheep. For the amount of work he causes him I don't know but it keeps him fit I mean he's he's plus 80 now and he's doing all right so he must be coming up the field and looking after these sheep that's uh, helped him out I've come here to get some help myself from the sheep well I'm going to walk away from them a moment they're following me they think I've got some food but yeah. as I walk away I'm walking across the field and it's just scattered with muck sheep muck everywhere this is why sheep are good for land because they spread it nice and evenly around the field this is what I want to get some of this life and this goodness that they give into the soil in the field i want to get that in my garden and so whenever i'm doing my new gardens i've moved house a few times each time i've had to um start from scratch and i've always started as i've been saying with this recording with the soil what i come to dad's field for is piles of manure well rotted manure if you go into the back end of the pile that's where all the good well rotted stuff is and that's what I'll be using. And, and it needs to be well rotted. Because, I mean, you get the stories of people coming up behind horses in olden times and putting it on their roses. Well, it's a little bit hot for, for too much application. What I'm saying about well rotted manure is it's, it's already on the way. It's tamed down. It's got that sting out of it because it's being broken down partly already. And that means there's organisms and life in it already. And then you're going to just go and put that life into your garden. And that's what you want. That'll start things off nicely. Those sheep were following me around like little dogs there. <coughs> but on the subject of dogs, I never took Lottie with me, my little Jackapoo. She, uh, she would have too much fun chasing the sheep and it doesn't do them any good at all. So if you're any, ever near any uh, livestock, always put a lead on. OK, let's talk manure piles. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well rotted is the way to go because it's already on its way. The organisms are already living there and, and moving around. That's why you get steam off a compost heap or a manure pile because the organisms are moving around, making it nice and warm. That warmth is great around your plants in the winter, by the way, if you put it around as a mulch. When I started in my new house, I had uh, really dead soil. It had had conifers in it before and just had no goodness in it at all. So we dug all them out. I put about three, four inches of manure on the top and away that soil went. I was just adding life into it. I put plants in, they were in two litre pots, which is your standard size from the garden centre. And within 18 months, oh, they would have easily fitted in a five, seven litre pot. They were growing massively. That is due to the life and energy in that soil. So, when going to choose your manure, make sure it's well rotted, because the life's already there. If it's been rotting away nicely, you shouldn't have many weeds in there either. And that is due to all the organisms moving around quickly and creating heat. That will kill off the weeds. We've talked about the organisms already being in there and they're living, they're eating it. They're actually digesting it and when they go into the soil, they'll actually mix it into the soil. But what they also do is as they digest things, they take what they need and what they excrete out the other end, that's what the plants need and that's got your feeding, your nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium and all the trace elements and these are the important things for healthy plants. Feeding them naturally, giving them a balanced diet. They're also improving the structure and that's where your roots are anchored. This is so important for your plant's growth. Well rotted, manure, organic matter is the best thing for your plants and garden. There's just no way around it. Animal waste isn't the only thing you can use in your garden. You can make your own compost and you can collect leaves at the winter time and that will make leaf mould. At the moment I'm working in an old estate garden here in Cornwall. I'm just, just actually leaving the wall garden area. There's lots of new areas that we're creating around, new planting schemes that we're going to do. To the back end of the wall garden there's a, a nursery area we've created to start producing plants to redo these areas. The very, very far end, there's a load of trees and there's not really a lot you can do there. There's not enough light for really for to bother with the nursery. So it sort of gets left. Well, last year, what we did, we blew and collected all the leaves up and we put them in a big pile down there, put some pallets around and we put some polythene over the top. And I'm just reaching it now. I just wanted to go and have a look, so no, it's got to be about 12 months ago. And, oh, here we go, yeah, underneath the polythene, we have some, oh, look at this. <laughs> we have some, sorry, really, really excited there. We have some leaf mould that's all rotted down. This is 12 months worth, and oh, wow, you go into it, it's like tea leaves. And, yep, yeah, there we have it. We've got some little worms in here as well. So the leaves, leaf mould, is just like worm food. It's absolutely incredible stuff. But the thing about leaf mould is that it's an actual fungal breakdown. And I'm sure you've heard about this wood wide web and the mycorrhizal fungus in gardens. Uh, the wood wide web, just in case you haven't heard, is we're finding out now that trees can actually communicate with each other through fungal mycorrhiza growing through the ground. This is so important for plants not just trees, but for your garden plants as well, because this mycorrhizal fungus actually lives in the soil and actually breaks down elements in the soil, which then it gives to the plants for food. It's really needed. So when we've got very, very dead soil 
Adding leaf mold not only helps the structure of the soil, it actually brings in this mycorrhizal fungus. It actually gets your soil living again, getting the nutrients there for the plants without having to throw loads of fertiliser on all the time. Just a natural way of doing it. And to make a leaf mold, it's really easy to do. You just collect your leaves, put them in a pile, make sure they're damp, don't let them get too wet. So controlling the moisture level is quite important. But leave them for, I don't know, six to 12 months and use them to improve your soil. Food for the worms. Food for the worms indeed. When I speak about leaf mould, I call it a fungal breakdown and the fungal part is very important. We've all seen these TV programmes where people get mycorrhizal fungus out of a tin and they rub it round the root zone of their plants, especially roses. This usually comes in a container and it kind of looks like powdered dandruff. Of course it's helpful, but by adding leaf mould to your garden, you will do this for free, naturally putting it where the plant can use it. And this mycorrhizal fungus lives in the root zone and it goes through the soil breaking down and digesting what it needs but what it doesn't need it gives to the plant and it gives the plant directly to the roots so it's actually really extended the plant's root zone and for this there is a charge and it, what it's charging is some sugars from the actual plant but that's not too much to ask when it's actually giving them exactly what they need nutrition wise not only that, we're now finding out that this network of mycorrhizal fungus in the forest floor, trees are actually using to communicate with each other. They send chemical signals through it and they can warn each other of aphid attacks. They can share resources. Mother trees can look after the younger trees by actually giving some nutrients to them. And they have even been known to kill rivals. It's all going on in the forest floor. Leaf mould also adds that important structure to the soil, creating a better place for your plant's roots to live and for the organisms within the soil too. Who'd have thought so much was going on below our feet? Now I've spoken about how we can collect it by raking up leaves and visiting my dad's field. <coughs> but how do we make compost at home for ourselves? Isn't that great? I just start recording this and it starts to rain on me and there's been some heavy showers today and, and thunderstorms uh, forecast for later. So I'm going to be very quick with this. Well, I'm living the dream. I've been asked by someone to come down and look at their compost heaps. Don't get better than that. What they've got here, they've got three bays. So one bay, they fill up with all their waste. When that's full, they put the waste into bay two and leave it there to rot down and start filling up again bay one. When bay one's full for the second time, they empty bay two into bay three, and that's the usable compost, and empty bay one into the new empty bay two and start filling up again. So it's continuous. And then bay three is all the usable compost. And they've done a really good job. They've got the ratios just right, I think. And when I say about ratios, what I'm talking about is greens and browns. Now, the greens are all your sort of well obviously the green stuff so if you're composting at home your cabbage your lettuce leaves your kitchen waste that would be classed as greens and also your grass clippings that would be classed as greens your browns would be your small twigs your chipped up wood even cardboard and paper that could be brown as well and the RHS would recommend that you mix that to a ratio of 25 to 50 percent of it being green and the rest of it being browns that will give you generally good compost. Now there's loads of different ways of composting. This three bay technique, I don't do at home because I haven't got the space. It's a very good technique. All you need to do, in my opinion, is to mix your compost together, keep trying it out and, and, and working at it to mix it up. And that's the secret of composting, I think, is to aerate it. 
you want to get air into your compost because all these organisms are breaking the compost down for you they need to breathe if you don't get the air into it and this is really typical of if you've got too much grass it gets stodgy and it becomes anaerobic and if it becomes anaerobic it smells and it's just not doing any good at all there's people that don't turn their compost but they get the ratios just right at home that ain't going to happen you're just going to have some kitchen waste here you're going to have some bits of cardboard or, or, or shredded paper there and you're not going to get that mix exactly right so if you keep turning it you'll keep it aerated now after the third bay here there's a fourth pile and this is this is my doing this is what i'm doing for them at the moment is i mix fallen leaves and grass clippings and it's about 50 50 and this stuff will rot down really quickly the grass will create heat and have nitrogen in it and the leaves will have all the structure there's nothing like leaves for worm food so the worms will be in there mixing it up very soon and i reckon i'll have a usable compost in about three months the rhs and other places would say about six months for a soil improver and probably about 12 to 18 months you can actually use it and mix it in with compost because it'll be so fine the secret to that for me will be i'll keep going in and mixing it up because i want to keep that air going in it and you want the compost to not get too dry as well you want it to be moist not too wet and not too dry but moist because all these organisms move around in moisture anybody can do it and you won't learn how to do it unless you give it a go it's good for your garden gets rid of your waste and it brings nature back into your garden Well, thank you for sticking with me. I know soil is a really heavy subject to be talking about, but that is the start to your wildlife garden. Now we've got the soil right, next time I'll be talking to you about planting your garden up and the birds and the bees. See you soon. <coughs>